APIs work what's called near real time, which means your partner will get the data at extremely fast speeds, usually measured in milliseconds. That means you don't have to store. Um, better, it's usually better data integrity. You don't see the kind of failures that you will see with EDI because of the nature of the architecture. You have to have all the data elements right to import an EDI file successfully. And one misplaced character will fail the entire file. And cheaper, frankly, APIs cost pennies while EDIs cost dollars. Welcome to the Think Freight Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Wording, and it's my pleasure to have Hillary Drake, the co-founder of Liminal Network. Hillary, thanks for coming on the Think Freight Podcast today. Happy to be here. How's uh, how's the new year been treating you so far? Pretty darn well. We are surviving the cold here in Minnesota. Oh man, I'm here in Texas, and I thought it was a little uh, little on the cold side this morning. I couldn't imagine uh, how cold it is in Minnesota right now. <laughs> yeah, we get used to it, and we don't have the bugs. That's true. I, you know, I'm I'm originally from Chicagoland, so I, I'm used to the cold as well. But I moved to uh, to Houston to escape it because uh, I'd rather have the bugs, honestly. <laughs> Uh, but Hillary, I, you know, I, you and I connected on LinkedIn a couple of months ago, um, and I wanted to, to kind of dive into to you and your background. Um, I think you have some some pretty interesting times, um, you know, as a shipper and some some interesting experiences that um, I, I'd like to pull from and, and kind of talk about, um, as well as Liminal Network and what you're doing with with that project. So I want to talk about that as well. Um, so why don't we dive right into kind of your background and how you. Um, kind of got into the wild world of uh, freight and logistics? Well, I was the classic liberal arts grad, um, didn't know what I was going to do, and a temp agency sent me to a 3PL to file and answer the phones. I was mm. their first office employee. And a couple weeks later, I was the point person for the second biggest client. Um, <laughs> I figured out from them that I really like logistics. I like that world of operations and fast pace. And from there, yeah. my career just sort of kept going further and further into the transportation side, but also more and more into technology and data. Mm. So how long did you spend? Um, how long did you spend at that original brokerage or 3PL? Um, they were more warehouse focused than brokerage mm -hmm. focused. So it was a 3PL of the kind that we don't talk about as much, but equally important in the industry. Um, yeah. I was the, I was there for about three years. Um, I have been lucky enough to graduate into recessions twice, so I've moved around quite a bit over the years. So how, um, yeah, So how was that time there? What did you? I know you said you really found like a love for logistics there. What was what was some of the things that you really enjoyed about? Um, I guess the industry, you know, as a as a newer college grad or, or entering the, the workforce from that temp agency. Um, what did you, what did you like about the, uh, that side of it? Well, one of my favorite things about that job was it was a new challenge every day in mm. logistics. It is never the same thing from day to day. And yeah. I like that stimulation. I like those puzzles. Um, I am not somebody who sits still very well and I need that level of stimulation in my work. And 
throughout my entire career, one way or another, logistics gave me that challenge. Um, whether that was trying to solve a data problem, uh, trying to book trucks during a hurricane to get supplies somewhere they were needed. It was always something new and interesting. And I think that is, this is my favorite industry for that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, that's kind of how and why I stuck with the industry as well. It's just nothing is ever the same. Like you said, it's, it's, it's always, um, whether you're, you're moving domestic freight daily or not, like, and if it's the same kind of freight, if you're just moving blueberries every day, but those loads are going to be very different. That your day is going to be very different. It doesn't matter if it's the same lanes or not. Like those day to day things are still going to be different. Um, cause every, no two day logistics is ever the same. So I think that's very interesting. After, after that time at the 3PL, where, where, where did you end up, um, after that? So my next main job after that, um, I was a CSR for a while at a company that buys and sells computer hardware. Um, and I was doing my MBA at the mm. same time. So that was awesome because I was a different kind of logistics, but I was still managing inbound and outbound freight, talking to customers a lot, which mm. helps. I think everyone needs that skill because you need to be able to really yeah. understand your customers. And the best way to do that is to talk to them and learn from them. Um, finished my MBA, did a brief internship, did international compliance for a while. Um, then I went back into the larger corporate world, um, was an analyst at a large company here in town, um, basically running their TMS by the end of it. Oh. Moved in, moved into a small company again, running their logistics department for transportation. And then back to the big corporate world where I went further and further into tech. Now, what did you like about what pushed you towards the the technology side? Because um, I know there's a lot of ways you can obviously go in, in this industry, but why did you what 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 intrigued you about the tech side? I've always really enjoyed data work. Um, my mm. high school job was actually at a computer company, so I've always been very aware of what's possible. And for one thing, I someone needed to run those projects. And I raised my hand. Um, so I got to implement uh, freight audit and pay worldwide. Um, I even got it going in China, which is extraordinarily Stop. difficult. Um, yeah. I was proud of that one. But we were we needed to get data worldwide, which meant we needed systems worldwide. And I figured out that I really enjoy that data and the ability to bring it all together. But I was also really frustrated by the lack of solutions on the market that would make it easy for me. And so I started a company. <laughs> no, that, you know, it, it, I, I talked to a lot of, a lot of founders who, and most of the time it seems like um, why they started a company starts with a pain that they had. Um, whether it's, they just can't find something that's, that's easy, uh, you know, not really uh, something without being a custom solution. And I, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. So, so, so um, what obviously made you, like, obviously there was that pain there, but what made you start Liminal Network? What, I guess, 
I guess, what was the, the thought behind that or, or what, uh, what challenges were you hoping to, to really achieve um, when you started Windmill? Well, the candid answer is I started the company because my husband told me I needed to either start the company or stop talking about it. <laughs> so that's the truth. Um, yeah, but I love that. A lot of it is just the, as we talk about a problem statement, most of us in this industry are familiar with EDI and we all work with EDI right. vans. Why isn't there an API van out there? Mm. I looked for four years and I never found one. We'll see companies doing similar things, but it's usually tied to if you're working inside their network. There isn't an SPS solutions out there that is a truly neutral party. So that's what we're building. How that now that's that's very interesting. How how did you I guess um what is the the overall um, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, let me dive into this separately. So why APIs? What what made you, like, obviously you said that there's no, we all work with EDI and there, there's really no like van APIs. So so why API? What What is better about APIs for, for someone who, who may not know or, or may not speak as much in the tech side? What are, what are APIs? What are kind of the differences between uh, what you're working on and, and some of the solutions that are already out there? Um, well, faster, better, cheaper is the simple answer. Um, APIs work what's called near real time, which means your partner will get the data at extremely fast speeds, usually measured in milliseconds. That means you don't have to store. Um, better, it's usually better data integrity. You don't see the kind of failures that you will see with EDI because of the nature of the architecture. You have to have all the data elements right to import an EDI file successfully. And one misplaced character will fail the entire file. And cheaper, frankly, APIs cost pennies while EDIs cost dollars. Mm. So you can run APIs for substantially less, both in terms of the investment to set them up and the ongoing maintenance. Now, what can APIs for you know smaller companies or less tech-focused companies that are looking to break into this, what can they be used for? What is an API? So an API is basically going out in the computer or the website or whatever system is asking for a piece of information or it's sending a piece of information and it's getting a response back, whether that's a bill of lading, a proof of delivery, PDF, updates about an invoice, um, or you can send a purchase order and get an acknowledgement. You can send a status and get an acknowledgement. And it can be a request response, or it can be what's called a webhook, which is a push from the person who has the data. That's, um, that's fascinating. So how, so obviously brokerages, carrier groups, shippers, obviously all have tons of paperwork that we utilize. We're still a very paper oriented um, industry, even in 2024. So how can an API and how can this be integrated into, um, you know, I guess a, a, a carrier groups, 
TMS to talk with their their shippers or to talk with their brokers to make things easier on that on that front. Whether that's sending and receiving, maybe it was rate cons, sending those back and forth, or on the um, like like you said, the the POD side, sending PODs or even invoicing. How how does how do APIs how do they make those easier to to kind of tie into those networks? So it's a little complicated, um, but essentially. APIs run code that is the same as the internet. So one of my favorite use cases, if you're talking about a customer facing website, your customer wants images and let's face it, the folks who like the phone are retiring right now. They our new customers want self-service. So Mm -hmm. you can take our API, throw some credentials on inside our very secure website, test it yourself, put this piece of code inside a frame on your website and you can be showing your customers their PODs this afternoon from wow. all of your LTL carriers. So it's it's pretty plug and play and pretty mm-hmm. pretty easy to get kind of set up and started. That's that's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like anyone um, with kind of some basic internet understanding um Maybe a little bit deeper on on some of those uh, aspects, but as long as you've got a pretty good understanding of the internet, you can probably get this set up with within half a day. Yeah, if you can code a website, this is very straightforward to set up. I think most of the time, the part that will take the longest is getting your credentials from the carriers if you don't already have them. Yeah, and that um, and obviously that that probably is going to be the longest process, um, kind of getting all that that process going. Um, how can let me ask you? So I, 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 want, I meant to touch on this a little bit earlier, uh, but my our, our internet issues threw me threw me off a little bit. Ha, have you always been, Hillary? Have you always been? Um, have you always been entrepreneurial? Like it, it sounds like it sounds like you you really found this this kind of big need in the industry or in in technology in general, and and especially with logistics because we're so far behind with a lot of. Um, a lot of the technology we utilize. So how did you, did, have you always been entrepreneurial or was it just something that like, your, like you said, your husband said, hey, you have to either start this or just uh, stop talking about it? So if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said I would never start a company. Um, mm. My father was a small business owner. I saw the challenges associated with that and yeah. I would have said never. Um mm. If you ask my husband, he'll tell you that I've been getting ready for this subconsciously for 20 years. Um, I just soaked up all of the different aspects of how to run a business, how to deal with financials, how to do all of the admin that no one likes. So when the right idea came up, it was a no brainer. Mm, That's interesting. You know, I, I think that a lot of people, um, Kind of like what your husband said. I think a lot of people don't realize how they're how they're actually preparing themselves um, for a future in in owning their own business. I, I talk to a lot of founders who have a lot of the same elements. You know, they they watched um, their parents in logistics, or they watched their family struggle owning a business, and they they didn't want to go down that path. But then you know they kind of took a lot of those elements that worked for their families or worked for those companies. And took the elements that didn't work and kind of replaced them with with better ideas and better understandings to meet whether it be the times or their market or their customers, and 
you know, they kind of say the same thing. I never, I, I never really thought about doing this, but I guess subconsciously or subliminally, like I, I was doing this for pretty much my whole life. I was always preparing for this and, and getting ready to do something. So I think that that's, I think that's really, really fascinating. It, it, it sounded like, so, so your husband was obviously a supporter of this because he listened to you talk about it for four, for like four years before you yeah. started it. So what was that, what was that process like kind of doing that, that research? Like what, um, I guess what prompted you aside from your husband pushing you, like what were you thinking the long term when you started like researching this or putting it together? Did, did you, did you want to start the company or did you, did you always just maybe see this more as like a side project um, kind of during that time or, or what, what was, what were those thoughts? Well, I was on a break at that time. Um, mm -hmm. Fortunately, I was able to take some time off to really clear my head and yeah. Why not? Essentially, I was in a position mm. where I could take this chance. Um, so he encouraged me to meet with some friends in the startup community because we're lucky that we just know folks. Um, another one of those yeah. liberal arts things, our friends end up doing really weird things. And right. he pointed out that we have a classmate who this is what he does. He did his PhD at UC Irvine. He is an extraordinary tech guy. And I reached out and he was available. So he's my co-founder. Um, I know, mm. I think there are maybe four people in our network that I would have done this with. And he was top of the list. That's really cool. And how long have you guys been, been working together on this? We started talking about it in March. Um, we registered the company in April. We launched our first product in September. Wow. Now, there's a lot of talk here about about fraud and freight fraud mm -hmm. um, within the industry. How how can how can liminal network or APIs in general? Um, how could could those be utilized in any way to, I guess, um, help the logistics industry in 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 some of those fight fraud um, fighting measures? Well, I will mention we're doing an a webinar on January 25th with NMFTA about API mm, security in particular. Um, I can happy to send the link out to anyone who wants to register or it's on the NMFTA website. Um, in general, APIs can be extremely secure and we mm. built our entire architecture to protect our customers' data. Um, we have full end-to-end -end encryption both in transit and at rest and we designed our system so we do not store your data. Um, so if you send an API through us, once the payload is delivered and the transaction is complete, we get rid of the contents. So we will never sell our customer data because we don't store it in the first place. Um, one of my biggest things right now, and I think one of the biggest trends that's coming is going to be a refocus from all of our customers on their data security and on their vendors, both digital security in general, and particularly yeah. data security, because let's face it, we are all targets. There are teenagers in Uzbekistan who are just playing around and they will go after anything that looks fun. Yeah, no. And that's, um, you know, we, we found out more. I'm not, I'm not sure how, how much you heard about the Estes um, cyber, cyber attack a couple months ago. And we're just now even getting more um, kind of that information. I know I, I reported on it through the uh, Think Freight newsletter a couple of days ago. Um, I believe the Estes, there was 
thousands of social security numbers, email addresses, and things like that that were that were um, taken or or, or um, you know stolen during that cybersecurity hack. So it's it, cybersecurity is is definitely top of mind. Uh, needs to be top of mind if it isn't. And a lot of these companies don't realize that they really are um, kind of sitting ducks out there, especially these bigger companies that, you know, like like the SDs, like, like you know, a lot of these LTL providers, brokerages, um, maritime companies. I know Marisk was hit a couple of years ago um, with a cyber attack. So it's it just these companies are, are, are massive, you know, have massive vulnerabilities um, especially with, you know, the phishing attacks and things like that. So I think it's, I think that, you know, having those kind of conferences, those kind of, um, conferences about cybersecurity and API security and kind of where those, where those shifts or where the refocus needs to happen. Um, I think it's very interesting. And you said that's uh, January 25th, correct? Yes. Perfect. We'll have all of that, the conference, um, information, um, in the show notes or in the podcast notes as well. So that way, if you guys do want to join um, and see that conference, you guys can check that out. Um, Hillary, before we, before we, you know, um, wrap up here in a few minutes, I want to ask you this. I think this was really, really interesting. And, and we talked about this, I think um, when we first met, but your, your company name Liminal Network, I think it's really fascinating. What is, what is a Liminal, what is, what does Liminal mean? And why did you choose, uh, why did you choose that name? I think it's really fascinating. So liminal space is the unknown or undefined space in between two things. And mm. we chose that name because we want to define that space for folks. We want to help them define the undefined easily, frankly. Um, mm. a lot of the, a lot of the tech side in logistics is hard. This is not yeah. our area of expertise, but we need to do the right thing for our customers. So we want to make it easy for folks across logistics to securely, safely exchange data with their customers and do it inexpensively is yeah. this is not, this is a cost center. So we want to make it as efficient for folks as possible. Where do you guys, um, how do you see 2024 um, going and kind of your roadmap for um, 2024. Do you guys have anything big coming up or anything you guys want to share, um, you know, with the listeners that they should be on the lookout for with Liminal Network? Um, I am looking for a carrier to beta test something that I'm really excited about, but is not ready for public announcement. Um, awesome. Somebody in the final mile space who is, um, whether they're doing home deliveries or business deliveries, um, but it's a really exciting product that we think will make things a lot easier for the drivers, especially. Um, mm. We are, I'll be at Manifest next month. Um, I'd love yeah. to talk to folks and really right now we're getting out there. Our product I think is exciting. Um, there's nothing quite like it in the market and I am looking forward to getting some users using it and really stress testing it. I love that. If uh, if you guys will be at Manifest, make sure you guys uh, link up with Hillary. She will be there. I will also be there. Um, so we'll definitely uh, definitely all have to connect. Um, Hillary, if people want to to find Liminal Network, they want to find you guys online. Um, where can they where can they do that? How can they look up uh, Liminal and how can they find you guys? So our website is www.liminalnetwork.com. 
Um, the other big place we have presence is LinkedIn, um, both my personal LinkedIn and the Liminal Network Company LinkedIn. Um, if you're in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis area, I'd love to grab a coffee or I'd love to chat at Manifest. Awesome. We'll have Hillary, uh, all of Hillary's links and all of Liminal Network's links, um, as well as the conference on the 25th. Um, so that way, if anyone wants to join that, you can. Um, Hillary, I want to thank you again for, for coming on the show and sharing about Liminal Network. I think it's really, really interesting what you guys have going on. Um, and we're definitely going to have to have you come back and talk a little bit more about APIs. Um, let me... Um, let me say this. If you like today's show, if you want to have Hillary back, make sure you guys like and review. And um, don't forget to check out our newsletters. Monday and Wednesday, thinkfreight.io. Hillary, I really appreciate the time. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. It was great chatting.